What's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzitti Program, where we talk about financial freedom and economics. Guys, if you are joining me for the first time today, go ahead and take the 10-episode challenge. What is the 10-episode challenge? It is where I am challenging you to go back and to take the la- and to listen to the last 10 episodes of the show. If you want to listen to more, hey, more power to you. If you want to do the, the 20 or 30-episode challenge, you know, we got f- over 50 episodes now, so we got a lot of episodes for you guys to go through. Guys, I believe that there are so much value in this podcast, so much information, so much education that's there that I I really truly believe that going back and listening to the last 10 episodes at minimum is going to provide you the most value out of the show. Another reason that I like to ask people to do this is largely because if you, we're going to be referencing a lot of things going forward that we essentially talked about in the last episodes and we don't talk about stuff in a vacuum, whether it's news, whether it's economics, whether it's trading, investing, whatever it is we're talking about for the day, we don't talk about stuff like that in a vacuum. So if you want to be aware of maybe some term that I defined, you know, in previous episodes, if you want to be aware of some news item or something that I talked about, I mean, I'm going to be referencing stuff from past episodes. And if you want to be aware of all that, the best way for you to do that is ultimately to go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. So if you guys will do that, I think you'll get the most value out of this show more so than if you, you know, just started listening to now, but Hey, If you guys are new to the show, welcome. Thank you for being here. And if you like what you're hearing, please consider giving me a rating and review on iTunes. Guys, you know, doing this is one of the best ways that you guys can support me. If you don't want to, you know, engage in the affiliate programs that I have, if you don't want to even donate to the show, you know, then consider going and leave me a rating review. It's it's very simplistic, doesn't take very long. Uh, If you like the show a lot, give me a a five stars and, you know, just leave a, you know, something nice that you really appreciated about the show. You know, this helps me to ultimately get my show on the map and get it in front of other people and just to kind of get up on the, the ranking list. So if you guys will do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, you know, last but certainly not least, you know, we just got the ability a little while ago to accept donations here on the show. So if you guys love what I'm doing here. If you guys love this content, please consider giving a donation to the show. Please consider, you know, allowing me to continue to come in here and provide value to you guys each and every uh, week. And if it also, you know, your contributions to the show, your donations also allow me to spread this message of financial freedom and personal and financial empowerment to anyone that we get to listen. It helps me to spread that message. And ultimately, guys, that's one of the core reasons that I'm doing this show is to spread that message out there. Because I think if everyone focused on becoming financially free by taking control of the source of their income, we would have a much better world. We would have more independent people and people relying less and less on government, on politicians, on just external factors they have no control over. And it would really make you you feel more, I think it would make you feel happier to know that you're in control of your life and not someone else. And I think, you know, so if you guys love that message and you like what I'm doing, you're getting a lot of value out of it. Consider giving me a donation or consider donating to the show. And uh, yeah, I would love that. You know, doing those things 
that I just mentioned, whether it's, you know, leaving a rating review, whether it's sharing the show, whether it's donating, all of that stuff, guys, it just, it really makes me very happy. It's a huge compliment to me. It really is to know that you guys are getting value out of what I'm doing here. And it means a lot. So, uh, I want to say thank you first and foremost, because ultimately I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. If you, if it wasn't for my loyal listeners coming in each and every week, listen to what I have to say. I mean, there would be almost no reason to do the show clearly because there'd be no one listening. I'd be talking into the internet ethos, right? So anyways, you know, if you also, if you guys are interested, you're new here and you want to know what we talk about, like I said at the beginning, we talk about financial freedom and economics. Now, the reason we talk about those things is because financial freedom, it, to me, is taking control of the source of your income. There might be a lot of people that define that differently, but for me at least, I define it in that way. Having control over the source of your income, and is my opinion, is, is one of the most important things that you can do for your life and your family's life. You know, that way you're not dependent on an employer. You're you're not dependent on anyone. You know, what a lot of Americans are going to start to realize, and a lot of Westerners and people all around the world... This is a global catastrophe. You know, the economics of this all, of all of this is going to be crazy. And a lot of people are going to realize that having a job and being employed by somebody else is not as stable as they thought it was. And around these times, you know, not very many people are hiring. It'll be very difficult. We're going to go through a really, really rough time. And I don't say that to me to be depressing, but it's just one of those things that if you control the source of your income, you wouldn't have to worry about a lot of this, right? You would never have to worry about being laid off. You wouldn't have to worry about not having an income, you know, the next day or anything of the sort. So it's really, really important that you take control of the source of your income. And the other part of the show is economics. Guys, why do we talk about economics? First and foremost, I am an Austrian economic enthusiast. I read economic books all the time. You know, I absolutely love the subject and everything. And in the end, we talk about it because economics is what gives us a framework to work with. It gives us the glasses that we need to ultimately view the world and how to understand what's really going on in the world. It allows us to understand human action, which is praxeology, which is which is the study of human action, which was, I believe, created by Ludwig von Mises. And, you know, it just helps us to understand why humans behave the way that they do and how to ultimately see the writings on the wall. One of the reasons that I love it is that economics can predict things that are coming down the line in the future. Now, that's very bad about timing. That's the one thing you economics is very difficult when it comes in terms of timing. You can't really time the market or at least I it's very difficult. I don't think you could with economics. Maybe there are some people out there that could. But in reality, timing with economics is not a very good thing. And it just isn't really the most accurate. But when you're talking about economics, you can see the writing on the wall. And you can basically position yourself in a and, and put yourself in a position of strength in order to handle anything that comes down the line. It's not always negative stuff either. You might be able to see the writing on the wall, then an industry is changing and that new technology is going to heavily disrupt the industry and economically you could see how people are going to react in the incentives that they have and you can even get ahead of that and start investing early in order in which to go ahead and, and get involved. Now, for me personally, that's not necessarily, I, I don't really invest or trade off fundamentals. What I like to do in my, I'm an aspiring Forex trader, for those of you guys who don't know. I actually got a YouTube channel. It's just Matthew Spazzitti. If you guys are interested, go check it out. And I, I post, uh, you know, trading videos, financial freedom videos, you know, videos on investing, trading, personal finances, all kinds of stuff. Most of it's uh, a 
most of it's trading, and particularly in the Forex market. Where I'm also going to, in the future, going to be doing some options trading stuff in there as well. But, um, you know, in the end, guys, you know, the way that I trade and the way that I invest is a lot of it's based off technical analysis. So what is technical analysis? Technical analysis is the ability to analyze and read price charts and to be able to make predictions off of future uh, price movements, if you will, price action is what it's called in the industry, and to be able to make predictions off that and, and, and predict where it's going. And that is, in effect, what technical analysis is. So I can look at a price chart and I can tell you what we are likely to do. Now, it's not 100% accurate, but that's primarily how I would trade. That's primarily how I would invest. You know, I don't necessarily go and look at the fundamental data, although if I'm going to be investing for long term, I might look at the, the fundamentals with regards to the company's fundamentals, the balance sheets and stuff, cash flow statements and stuff of that nature. I would look at that information. I would want to see their their debt to liabilities, their debt, their net income. You know, I would want to look at certain things like that to determine whether the company is growing in a positive way and is also, you know, ultimately just improving. And that would be something I would look at. But for the most part, I primarily look at what are the charts doing? You know, the company can have the best, you know, fundamental information in the world, and yet it could be going down for whatever reason. Again, the fundamentals ultimately do sometimes affect the sentiment of investors, but not always. Uh, and and I think we're seeing that especially in this day and age where, you know, the, the stock market is at like all-time highs, and it's absolutely insanity how expensive some stocks have become. And a lot of this is largely due to monetary devaluation, a lot of money that's just being created out of thin air and injected and circulated into these markets is absolutely absolutely causing a lot of this kind of stuff uh, to happen. But there's there's a lot more to it than that. And it's also just the irrationality of investors, right? Investor sentiment can be very irrational. There's a saying that basically goes like this. The market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent, right? Um, and I probably butchered the saying, but you get the idea. The market can act irrationally and stay irrational a lot longer than you can have money to stay in and try to wait it out. And, you know, that's the truth in the end. That's the truth. So you really want, in my opinion, that's why I like technical analysis. That's why I like having targets and stop losses and stuff like that. Unless I'm investing. If I'm investing, I will probably just hold as long as it continues to go up until I see reasons to sell. And then ultimately I would probably get out of that point. But that being said though, that's not really what I wanted to talk about today. What I wanted to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, is should you invest in real estate? Okay. Now I can't give you personal advice as to whether or not you should invest because I'm not a licensed advisor. I'm not licensed or anything else. And you know, I make no income claims or anything of the sort. If you guys are interested in this, you know, go check out a licensed advisor. There's your disclaimer. You know, that way the FCC <laughs> is uh, happy with me and, and that, that way all the regulatory agencies don't get mad at me. But here's my opinion about real estate investing. Now, first and foremost, I'm going to be kind of critical of real estate investing to some extent, but I'm going to explain why. But I do want you to know that I love real estate investing. I think it's an awesome idea. I think it's really, really great. But I have some reservations about it. I've been studying it for a very long time. I don't own any real estate except for the home that I'm currently living in. And uh, in the end, I got a mortgage. So technically, I'm renting it from the bank. I don't really even own it which is, you know, the case for the vast majority of Americans. But that said, though, you know, one thing that I just, I, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about the coming real estate 
crash and the coming real estate economic calamity that's coming down the road. You know, they're basically saying that once the moratorium gets lifted from the CDC and ten- and landlords are allowed to kick out their tenants, or they were also saying the alternative is that the landlords are just going to go under. Many, many, many landlords are going to go under and those tenants are going to get kicked out anyways, uh, which is kind of interesting because basically the CDC you know, for all of their speech, for all of that, just whatever it is they're talking about, for all of the things that they say with regards to not wanting to spread the virus, eh, which is nothing that I think that anybody needs to worry about, to be completely honest with you, but that's another story for another time, you know, and, and with regards to, uh, you know, being, oh, we're, we're for the little guy and we don't want to hurt poor people, you know, I'm sorry, but if you're preventing, you know, people from getting kicked out, the tenant, the landlords are going to go completely under. Properties are going to have to sell. It's going to tank the real estate market and the prices are going to have to continue to lower and lower and lower to entice buyers. This is what tanks a real estate market. Nobody's buying. So you, so you're in a deflationary uh, cycle, a deflationary trend, right? You're in a bearish trend, bearish meaning going down. Bullish meaning going up for those of you guys who are in, who, who, who don't know the terminology of, you know, stock markets and trading and investing and whatnot, but, um, bearish and bullish trends are, are those terminology if I wasn't clear about that. But that said though, if you, if you don't allow them to kick out their tenants, they're going to go under. And they may hire more than one people. They may hire property management firms. They may do a lot of other things, which means less money for the property management firms. Those firms may go under as a result of less business if, if enough of their clients go under. You know, this isn't good. And a lot of the people that are going to be hurt by this are like middle-class Americans who are t- who are landlords. Maybe they got a, a, a few properties on hand. But there's also a lot. I mean, they're also, I mean, we're talking about the little guy. What about the big guy? What about the really big real estate investment trusts that are out there that are in investing in like, say, malls and things of that, of that nature. So if you don't know what a real estate investment trust is, okay, if you like to invest in the stock market, you really should know what they are. I absolutely love them. I think they're great. They pay a lot of high dividends. You can find ones that have a very awesome dividend to price, a uh, share price ratio and whatnot, where, you know, the dividend is paying, oh, I don't know, 45 cents a share every, every quarter for maybe $2 a share. Now, granted, Okay. There are other things that may sound amazing. That may sound good, like a decent return, right? That's like, uh, gosh, a little over 10% a year, uh, and whatnot. So that may sound like a decent return in just the dividend payments alone and a, and a cheap sh- stock price, but you have to look at the charts. And in some cases, those charts are cheaper. Those REITs are cheap for a reason, right? They're constantly falling. They're trying to entice buyers with a very nice dividend yield. And you don't always want to get involved in that. Okay. Or at least I wouldn't want to get involved in that. Cause again, I'm not giving financial advice here, but you know, real estate investment trusts are effectively a, it's, it's a fund that that a lot of investors pull their money. So you can think of it like crowdfunding, right? A lot of people know about crowdfunding today. It's 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 kind of like that. A lot of wealthy investors, they so the tr- the trust fund, they go out there and they want to basically build a mall or maybe they want to build a hospital or something. So they go out there with their plans, with their investments, and they hunt down investors and they try to find people that are willing to give them lots of money and they crowdfund a lot of investors. One of the ways they do this is they offer shares on the stock market and then people can invest in those shares to continue to give money towards these projects. And these real estate investment fund, uh, investment trusts are, can, can accumulate a lot of money 
In fact, a lot of the malls that are in America today were created by the inv by investors who invested in real in REITs. Okay, and on top of that, hospitals. Some hospitals are even created by these REITs, and they make money off of the renting of the hospital of the rent that the hospital pays them. So you know they build the hospital, and then they have doctors and and people coming in, and basically the, the whoever has their practice in there, whoever's working in that hospital, you know the hospital pays them the a. a a leasing fee in order to use the building that they created. It's very similar, similar to kind of a, a, sh a strip shopping, you know, uh, area, a shopping mall type of thing. You know, it's, 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 a uh, it's very similar to that. You know, they build parking lots, they build stores, and then the tenants come in, they renovate the stores according to what they need, and then they pay a lease, right? It's very similar to that. Well, but this is done on a grand scale. This is done on a massive scale. I know a couple malls in my area. I live in North Texas, by the way, close to Dallas and the DFW Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And basically, I mean, I know a few malls in my area that are owned by real estate investment trusts. And this is how they were created. They came out, they built these buildings, and then everybody rented the, at least the land or leased the buildings from them. It, that's how they all work. Well, by law, these REITs have to pay 90% of the profits that they bring in. So you can, it can translate. It doesn't always, but it can translate into very nice dividend yields and things of that nature, which is why I like to look at them. I like to look at them. I'm not invested in anything right now, ladies and gentlemen, just to, to keep you guys, you know, just to be transparent, right? I'm not invested in anything at the moment, okay? You know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting on my, I'm keeping my powder dry as it were. You know, if you're thinking of shooting a musket type of thing, you know, I'm keeping my powder dry. I'm, I'm just keeping my ammo, you know, waiting for the right opportunity. I think there's going to be a big economic crash that's coming. Uh, the likes of which is going to be similar to 2008, but possibly worse than that. And I think it, I think it's a possibility. I think there's a good chance it could happen. I don't know for sure, but I think it could happen. And, and the fact remains, that's what I'm doing. I'm waiting. But when, when everything falls, everything's, if I'm right, then I'm going to be able to buy everything up on cheap. It's almost as if a discount came through on the stock exchange and everything is heavily discounted. There's a, there's a sale and, uh, and everyone, and there's a lot of buying opportunity that's going to be really, really wonderful. So, you know, at least if I'm right now, if I'm wrong, I miss out on a lot of gains. Oh, well, there will always be opportunities. I'm not going to beat myself up for that, you know, but I'm willing to take that risk. But that said though, that's what a real estate investment trust is. And I mean, those are big, those are big landlords. What happens with them? Do you think that they're you know, doing well when very few people are going to the malls? No, they're doing terrible. So, and if they can't kick out their tenants, which usually their tenants are stores and stuff of that nature. So they're probably much more lenient and, and they try not to kick them out too quickly, you know, but still guys, look, this is going to create, uh, uh, this is going to be bad. If it goes the way I think it's going to go. It, it, it could be bad. We could also just have a slow simmer, a slow burn, a slow decline. And I would much prefer that than a massive sharp fall. But, you know, I don't I don't know for sure, certain. But anyways, I was listening to this podcast. I was talking about all that. Right. And I kind of already knew that all that was going on, but I wanted to get their opinion. And the podcast was uh, Peak Prosperity. If you guys want to go check them out, they're on iTunes and whatnot. They don't pay me or anything to to talk about them. I don't really listen to them all the time. But in this instance, I really wanted to hear what they had to say about it. And, you know, largely because I've been doing a lot of research on the subject myself. So I was intrigued to say the least. 
But one of the things that, you know, they were talking about was how real estate's awesome and they love investing in it and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, some of them were talking about how they got in sort of about their beginning of how they got in. One guy was, you know, he was a, a manager of an apartment complex. He did all this work. He, he made this apartment complex, kind of rehabilitated it and got it back up on its feet. And that's kind of where he got started. He was more of a property manager. And then eventually he went in to start owning properties on his own. But here's the problem I have with it. Okay. And I'm not trying to say that everyone has to be able to afford something. I don't believe in democracy. And so I don't believe in democratizing anything, which means that everything is affordable and within the reach of everybody else. Although I will say that it certainly does lift you know, a lot of people's quality of life when they have access to a lot of stuff. But I, I just, I don't like the idea of we got to democratize, you democratize uh, investing. We got to make it available to everyone. And I'm like, well, technically speaking, it was already available to anyone who knew how to manage their money well and actually were very prudent in their money management. But there's a lot of people out there who aren't. So, or like we've got to democratize I don't know, podcasting, we got to give it, you know, there are lots of fees and we don't want other people to not be able to do it because of the fees. And it's like, okay, well, you know, Hey, look, I have no problem with companies making things free for people and making money in another way and just giving it the availability, but democratizing it, making it available to as many, I don't know. I just, I hate the term. Okay. I hate the whole idea that it has to be, that everything has to be available to everyone. I say you want it to be available. Uh, you want something to be available for, to you earn it, earn it. I don't care what that means. I mean, whether you got to save up money, whether you got to prove yourself, you need to earn it, okay? And I, and I don't think that everything needs to be available for anyone. And I don't think that anything should be barred from anyone because of some prejudices that people have or anything of that nature. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more of on, on a financial basis, right? You know, if you are struggling with money, if you are broke and you don't have much, well, then you got to find a way to make it. If you want to invest, if you want to do other things, you got to find a way to manage your money right so that you can invest, right? That's what we all have to do. It, not everything can be free. You can't always have stuff for free. You know, you can't always go out and get Apple stocks for free, right? If, if it was free, it wouldn't be valuable. Free things, generally speaking, are not valuable. And almost always, there's, a, there's the word fee in the word free. Okay. That was actually, I'm going to actually, uh, you know what, before we talk about more about the investing stuff, and I know we're kind of getting <laughs> into this, but there was a, uh, a story, a funny story that I had when I was younger and I was in high school, me and my friend were at a, a baseball game and, uh, there was this guy who was running the hot dog stand and he basically said, you know, I don't even know where we got on the subject. We were just buying a hot dog from him. So I have no idea where the subject came up, but he was like, yeah, the word fee is in the word free. So anytime you hear anyone say that something is free, it's not true. Nothing is free in this world. Someone's paying for it because the word fee, you take out the R and free turns into fee type of thing. And I'm like, huh? Well, you know, as a young kid, as a young high schooler, I was like, that's a very good point. Never really thought of that before. Absolutely right. And that is true. Someone's foot in the bill. Okay. Someone's foot in the bill or they're finding another way of offering it. So no, I don't believe in the idea of democratizing stuff or anything of the sort. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. But that said though, you may disagree with me and that's fine. You don't have to agree with me on that. Should you invest in real estate? Well, for me personally, again, I can't give you guys the advice, right? I can be, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't even, not only because of legal purposes, but I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. 
I don't pretend to know your financial situation. If I was to honestly give you advice, I would have to know about your financial situation. I'd have to know a lot of information that you guys probably just would not feel comfortable with me knowing. But otherwise, how can I possibly give you anything, any good kind of advice without really knowing where you are on a financial basis? How much debt do you have? How much income do you have? What are you spending your money on? You're spending your money on, you know, subscription plans you don't need or subscription plans that you can do without? Are you spending every dime you make on going out to dinner or, 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 or alcohol and woohoos or whatever? I mean, whatever the terminology is, you get, you get what I'm trying to say, right? I would have to know a lot and uh, the amount of information I would need to know would be uncomfortable for the vast majority of people. Okay, I'm very good with my own personal finances. I'm not perfect, but I'm very good at it. Me and my wife, we've been absolutely amazing at managing our finances. We've paid debt off early. We don't have a lot of debt on the books right now. You know, we only have like three items, three items of debt. You know, the mortgage, one car, and my student loans. That's it. And technically speaking, I can pay off the car right now. Now, I'm not trying to be arrogant, okay? I'm not trying to be arrogant by saying, I'm just trying to say that I know, we know a lot about me and my wife. We're very good with our finances. We may, we're not super, super frugal, but we do manage it, right? We, we have savings. We treat savings like a, a bill in that sense. So look, I would have to know a lot about your stuff, in order for you guys to, in order to give you that kind of advice. And since I don't know that, I'm not going to even bother to give you that advice. I don't think it would be right. That said though, one of the, th- the issues that I have when it comes to investing in real estate and when it comes to people talking it up and, and making it amazing is that real estate is so expensive. It's out of the realm of most people. It's out of reach for most people. Okay. I don't feel like Anybody should really invest in real estate unless they have a lot of money. Because here's the thing, real estate is a lot riskier than what the people who talk about real estate investing are actually going to admit to you. The fact of the matter is that real estate is not very liquid. What is liquidity? Liquidity is basically the ability to sell something and find a buyer for that for whatever item that you're talking about. And in reality, real estate is not very liquid. It's not easily sold. In, in a good market, you might be able to sell a house within a month or two, maybe even a couple weeks if, you're, if your property is very it's highly valuable. And not necessarily valuable in terms of price, but just highly valuable in terms of location and other things. But I mean, that may be a situation for you, but that's not the situation for you know every single person. It's not uncommon to sit on a house for several months before you sell it, even in a good economy. It's not liquid. And when you go into debt for this kind of stuff, you know, invest with other people's money, you hear, uh, you know, some financial, some real estate investment gurus like uh, Robert Kiyosaki and the, his whole rich dad, poor dad brand. When you, when you see them do this kind of stuff, right? And when you see them talk about this, they talk about it as if it's low risk. As, and no, granted, they may they may be honest. They may say it's not low risk, but still, the way they talk about it, the way a lot of people get into it, they think, "Oh yeah, I want to be a real estate and you know a real estate investor. I want to have rental properties. That sounds like a great idea. I want to be a, a landlord. Maybe I'll hire a property management firm so that I don't have to go in there and clean toilets or fix toilets or whatever." But it's a lot more difficult than what they are, generally speaking, what they lead you to believe. In the end, real estate is risky. 
it's a lot riskier than than owning stocks in the stock market. One of the things that one of the reasons I like the stock market is because the stock market is liquid. Most of the stuff that you own in the stock market can easily be sold at least in good times. Now, in bad times, you can run into a liquidity trap where nobody wants to buy it because everyone's getting out of the stock market. That can happen. Yeah, sure, of course. And, and it maybe not even during an economic crisis time, maybe just the, the current company you're in is, is dying and going under and everyone wants to get out and no one wants to buy it. That could happen too. But the fact remains is that most of the time, the stock market is much more liquid. It's easier to sell it. But when you own actual property, it's not easy to sell. It's very illiquid. Okay? And it's incredibly expensive. And and like I said before, it's out of the range of and out of the reach of most average day people. And it's the risk is I think far more than what most people understand. Yeah, I hear people say all the time that, you know, my friends and my family, they say, "Oh yeah, I want to be a real estate investor. It's going to be great." And it's like, "Yeah, you know, buddy, you're just kind of getting into all this stuff. I really want to tell them is that, look, if you're investing in a property, okay, and you don't have the money to buy the property out in cash, then, and you're going to be borrowing other people's money, whether that's through investors, which if, you, if you're just getting started of it, good luck finding an investor. Um, you have no experience. You have no portfolio. You have no track record. No investor is going to give you money. And if they do, you should be questioning why they're giving you money. But then on top of that, you know, maybe they overly trust you, okay? Maybe it's a friend or a family member, okay? I can kind of understand that. But like, I'm, I'm talking about an actual investor, investor, not a friend or family. But then on top of all that, if you can't get investors money, then you're going to have to go with the bank. Now, if you already have a lot of debt, the bank's not going to give you money, not unless your income supports it. And in most cases, your income isn't going to. In most people's cases, that's not the situation. And if they end up going into a mortgage... Okay, and they end up going into debt for the purposes of investing in real estate. What happens when real estate tanks? Okay, what happens if the real estate market were to tank? You can't or and you can't sell the property. Well, Matthew, okay, you know, I'll just I know what I'll do. I'll just uh, I'll I'll rent it out. I'll, I'll sit on it. I'll be a renter. Maybe they were intending to rent the property out in the first place. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But when real estate markets tank, guess what happens to renting? That's right. Rent, if you guessed it, that's if you guessed it already, then you're at, you know, uh, basically rental fees can drop and they can drop hard and fast on you. If you're not paying attention, if you're not well educated, rental fees can start to drop. People are not renting at the prices anymore. Tenants are getting kicked out. They can't find renters at the prices that they were finding. So they have to consistently lower their rent. Property managers or, uh, you know, property like landlords, they're going to go under because they, they have too much debt to the point that you can only drop it so much. You can only drop, you know, your rental fee so far. If you're looking at how much money you got to pay in mortgage, right? Let's assume you're paying $2,400 a month in your mortgage. And let's assume that includes property taxes because let's just say you're paying it through all through escrow and all that kind of stuff. Okay, that's fine. Then you have to charge above $2,400 a month. But what happens if all the competition around you starts to uh, drop their rental fees because they can't find tenants 
and they start to drop their rental fees, oh, I don't know, to $2,000, roughly. Let's say on average, it's around two grand. You're not going to be able to find any tenants, assuming you don't have any. And if you do, they're just going to break the lease and go somewhere else because it's cheaper. If the money becomes too big of an issue, even if they have the ability to continue to be your tenant, they're going to look around there being like, you know what? I can get a property for $400 less than what I'm paying now. Or maybe they even find one for $1,700. How insane is that? $1,700 a month versus $2,400 a month? That, that, that would be amazing. That's enough savings to entice someone to break their your lease. And then you're screwed. If everyone starts to do that, starts to get into a, a price war of basically rental fees and they all start dropping it, you can try to sell, but I guarantee you the, the market probably in terms of real estate values, the real estate values more than likely have already tanked um, <laughs> before the, the rental fees did. Maybe not always. Maybe the rental fees tank before the before the actual values do. It, it, it kind of depends, right? It, you know, it, stuff doesn't always happen the same way every single time. But the fact remains is that you're screwed. Now you owe all this mortgage. You owe all this debt. And you can't find a tenant. And you also can't sell the house. You can't get from out from under it for at least enough to break even on the property. You're going to have to default on the home. And that's going to hurt your credit, which you can build up over time again. But if you own more than one house you're starting to, uh, <laughs> things are not looking good for you, you know, or let's say this, let's say you live in a recourse state. So what is a recourse? So here's a, here's a quick, uh, you know, mortgage lesson for you guys. All right. There are non-recourse and there are recourse states. Texas is a non-recourse state. They do not allow the sale of recourse loans, but there are many states who do not believe in this. If you live in a recourse state, then your state may allow the sale of both recourse and non-recourse loans. So what is a recourse loan? A recourse loan is effectively a loan that allows the, the lender to come after you if you default on the loan. And they try to sell whatever was held in collateral. So let's say it's a house. You default. You walk away. They try to sell the house, but they can't get all the money back from you owe. Let's say you owe $300,000 and they could only sell the property for two hundred and fifty grand. They can come after you for the $50,000. They can literally take money. They can garnish your wages. They can take money out of your bank account. They can come after your assets, your investments. They can literally drain you dry. They can sue you is what they'll do. And this isn't the case. And a lot of times you kind of have to have a lot of assets because it's a very expensive legal process for them to go into. And if you don't have anything, then odds are they're not going to do it. But hey, if the lender becomes desperate enough, there's always that a possibility. And I don't know about you, but I'd prefer to not enter into negotiations like that. But here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. If you get a recourse loan in in a recourse state, one that allows it, then a lot of times you get benefits to that. So, and some of those benefits are a small, a less interest rates. They may give you a smaller interest rate, but the risk is a lot more for you because if it doesn't go right, you are really, really in a bad way. Now, in a non-recourse state, the, and, and with non-recourse loans, the, you can default and you can basically walk away. And while it can hurt your credit score, 
they can't come after you for the remaining balance of the property, assuming they can't get the full balance of what you owe. They can't come after you for that. So that's kind of the difference between recourse and non-recourse. If you guys have mortgages, just again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not giving you financial advice. Okay. But if it was me, I would make sure I know what kind of mortgage I have. It, it, whether you are just owning it to live in your own house or whether you are investing, it does not matter. I would, I would want to know. If I was in a state like Missouri, the state allows recourse loans to be sold, I would want to know. And it's not just with houses. It could be with cars too. I would want to know whether it's a recourse. And if I had the option, I would almost always go for a non-recourse. Might be higher interest rate, but you know, it's less risk on my end. They can't come after me. And I guess the other way I I might handle it is depending on what I'm going to use the property for, if it was for, you know, rental and investing, you could, I would probably create an, an LLC, some kind, I would incorporate and I would create an LLC and then I would own the property in the LLC so that in the event that I default, they have to come after the LLC, but they can't really come out after me. And I think that's how that would work for the most part. So that would be something I would consider, but just real estate has a lot of risks involved in it you know, recourse, non-recourse mortgages, the fact that it's a liquid. If you have to borrow a massive amount of money at really high real estate prices, you can literally get screwed. Now, if you have the cash to pay for that mortgage and you just decide to do the mortgage to try to increase your return on your investment, that's another story. That's another story entirely. If I got the money, if I, if I go into debt for $250,000, but I have $300,000 or more in my bank account, and I could totally have just bought that sucker in cash, I just chose not to because I didn't want to use nearly as much of my own money, therefore increasing my return on investment. If that's what I wanted to do, then fine. At least I had the money. But in most cases, ladies and gentlemen, so many people get encouraged to go into real estate and they are not given this, they're not informed of this kind of stuff. And they don't, they're unaware of this kind of stuff. And they end up going heavily over leveraged and heavily, you know, increasing their, their risk. You see, one of the reasons I always say at the end of the show, know the risks, plan accordingly, is because if you don't know the risk, your risk is always high. Regardless of whatever you're engaging, if you don't know the risks, your risk is high. Knowing the risks will actually help you to reduce the risk of any particular venture that you're engaging in. Now, it doesn't mean that the risks aren't there, but at least you're aware of them. So you can take action, you know, know the risks, plan accordingly. You can plan accordingly. You can take action to avoid those risks, to hedge against those risks. That's why I say it at the end of the show, because it's something I'm very passionate about. So that, those are some of the things that I, I don't, that's kind of my opinion about real estate investing. And in reality, it's just, I understand where people are coming from. It is a cool thing. I love it, you know, but so many people, they just overplay real estate investing and they just make it sound so amazing. And so many people get involved and so many people end up making really stupid decisions with regards to their investing strategy. And they get involved in these really risky investment ventures without really considering that there are less risky options out there. And I understand owning a physical property is is more desirable in some people's minds than owning the the paper asset like a real estate investment trust. But I'll be honest, when I look at it, I think a real estate investment trust, in my most humble opinion, is a lot less risky than owning property. I think it is because it's more liquid. It's easy to sell. 
you can get in and out of it pretty quickly in most cases. Now, granted, the you know the return on investment probably isn't going to be anywhere near the same. It's probably going to be a lot less. But still, you know, the the higher the risk, the, the the higher the return sometimes. And again, that's not always the case. But I guess you know, with owning physical real estate, it is. So for me personally, if someone was to ask me, Matthew, would you invest in real estate? I would, but only under certain circumstances. I would only invest in real estate if I had the money to pay the mortgage or I paid the mortgage and I own the property outright. So in the event that I can't find a tenant, and by the way, I wouldn't be interested in flipping. I would be interested only in rental properties. And in the event that I couldn't find a tenant, I can basically shut off all the utilities and and all I got to do is worry about paying the taxes and that's it. Sometimes the taxes are you know, three, $400 a month. So you're, you know, three, $4,000 a year, at least in North Texas, that's the way it can be depending on the property, depending on the value, right? A lot of this is all dependent on different variables that, you know, simply put, you're not going to know unless you're in that area and you're actually looking to invest or you're looking to buy property. You're not really going to know until you start getting into the nitty gritty of it all. But that said though, it's just something to keep in mind, right? That's what I would do. If I wouldn't be investing in real estate unless I had the cash to pay for the property outright. And whether I decided to do that or whether I decided to, to do it on mortgage, I don't know. I probably would just, if I had the money, I'd, I'd own the property outright. My return on investment wouldn't be nearly as high because if you actually have enough money to buy the property, but you still decide to use a mortgage instead, you are using usually less of your money for the property. And when you're using less of your money and you're getting a return, technically speaking on paper, at least you're getting a higher return than you would if you used all of your money to pay for the mortgage outright. So, you know, for me personally, I think I would always favor owning the property outright. It's just low risk. It's not as high return, but it's much more low risk on my end. And I like to reduce risk as much as I possibly can. You know, I mean, Which again, kind of like I say at the end of every episode, know the risks, plan accordingly. That's why I say it because, you know, a lot of this comes from my trading background. I'm an aspiring Forex trader. I'm currently going through the process of becoming a consistently profitable Forex trader. I'm testing strategies and whatnot. And I absolutely love it. It's a huge passion of mine. But you need to understand the realities of trading. You need to understand the risks. You need to understand, you know, how much money can you lose in any given trade? That should be predetermined before you enter into the trade. It should never be open-ended, okay? If I was giving advice to myself, because I can't, I'm not going to give advice to other people, uh, it would be, again, it would it would not be open-ended. It should never be open-ended. So basically for me, I would say at least I would never enter into a trade without a stop loss, without knowing how much money I'm going to lose. Well, real estate's no different for me. If I was looking at real estate... I would have a contingency plan in the event that the property, in the event of a market crash, in the event that the properties would go down, I'd say, okay, at this price, I'm going to sell the house or I'm going to try to get rid of it, you know, and uh, I would, I would do that, but I would own the property outright so that in the event that let's say rental fees did fall because property values fell because people are losing their jobs and they can't pay those, those prices. What I would be able to do at that point is I could lower my, I mean, as long as I'm not lowering my rental fees below taxes, property taxes, I'm go, I'm solid, man. I'm absolutely solid. You know, and odds are if it's only three, $400 a month and it might depend on, you know, it's going to vary depending on where you are, but odds are it's not going, you know, um, rental fees are not going to drop below that. Hopefully, right? I mean, granted, I said odds are. I don't know for sure. Maybe there are cases where it happens, right? Um, 
<laughs> you know, not that long ago, oil was selling for negative, a negative price because there was too much oil and it was even more expensive to store it and there just wasn't enough storage available. So people would just say, I will pay you to take it off my hands. It didn't last very long, but it, it, it can happen. So if that can happen, then hey, sure as heck, yeah, rental values could probably fall below what you would get, it, it you know, what you have to pay in taxes for. It could happen. It could happen. You know, in certain areas of Detroit, Michigan, do you really think that anyone's renting in certain areas? No, a lot of people just left. Your neighborhoods empty. Homes abandoned. There are still abandoned homes to this day in, in Detroit, Michigan. Ladies and gentlemen, you think anyone's paying on some of those houses that have been abandoned? No. What if that was a rental property? Yeah, it dropped well below the uh, the property taxes, I'll tell you that much. It dropped to zero. No one would live there because crime rates went up, all kinds of horrible things started happening, you know? So don't think it can't happen, ladies and gentlemen. Know the risks. Regard, and even if you're not talking about real estate, whatever you're talking about, know the risks. Don't ever engage in anything if you don't understand how risky it is. Okay? That is, you know, that's, the, that, that's what I would say. That would be the advice that I would give. Know the risks. And in real estate, the, the, the properties are illiquid. Okay, they're not easily to, they're not easy to sell, and the larger amount of land, the harder it can be. You know, you would have to probably start chopping it up, and if you have a lot of land, it's probably out in the middle of nowhere. Again, it could be difficult. The risk increases because you there's not as many buyers. It's like okay, so a long time ago, I was looking at investing in diamonds, basically. And I was doing a lot of research on diamond investing. I was looking for ways to hedge against inflation beyond the typical route. So beyond owning precious metals or real estate or things of that nature. And I thought, well, hey, diamonds are cool. Maybe I could get into real estate, you know, investing in diamonds, not real estate, sorry, um, investing in diamonds, right? So I started hunting down, you know, companies that would give you reports on the values of certain diamonds based off of, you know, the color, the cut, the clarity, right? Things of that nature. And I started to learn a lot about diamonds and whatnot. And what I actually learned was that the more rare diamond was, was actually not the kind of diamond that you wanted. So there was an example where there's these uh, these these big yellow diamonds, right? Highly valuable, you know, very rare and incredibly valuable. But because it's so expensive, because it's so rare, because it's so valuable and so unique, it's almost too unique to the point where the liquidity on those diamonds was incredibly low. They were not easy to sell. So... Ultimately, what I learned was that you need, and in the article, I think the article that I was reading basically said this, was that if you want to invest in diamonds, you should invest in diamonds that are, that are easy to sell, that are very common, right? You should invest in diamonds that are ultimately, you know, that it, not hard to sell. Diamonds that, you know, probably have a lower, so you don't want to look for the perfect diamond. You want to look for a diamond that most people would be interested in, in, in taking, in buying. And then there's the other problem too. Who are you going to buy to? Or who are you going to sell? You know, with precious metals, there's, you know, pawn shops that usually buy silver and gold. There's all kinds of stores that sell silver and gold that would be willing to buy it off of you. Sometimes if you buy it online, they would even be willing to buy it back from you. Like Money Metals Exchange, a, a referral program I've got going on on the show, they do that. Um, there's... Um, 
There's a whole host of other vendors that do that kind of stuff. There are ways of liquidating your silver, your pre- your gold, your precious metals, right? Particularly the most popular is silver, so there are ways of getting rid of your silver and gold in most cases. But diamonds, they're very unique and they're very rare. And what, unless you, you're selling to like an actual jewelry maker, and come on, they work with mines. They have suppliers. Why would they deal with you? You know, so it's just something to keep that in mind. You know, you don't always want something. So a lot of land, the more expensive it is, the bigger it is, the more unique it is, can sometimes make it less liquid and not the best investment. So it's just something to keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, right? Just something to keep in mind. You know, I mean, there are all kinds of stuff to keep in mind. But yeah, that's th- that's my opinion on real estate. Take that for what it's worth. I've never invested in real estate, okay? I've just, I've researched the crap out of it. I'm an avid researcher. I love researching stuff. I, I've been looking at doing a lot of this stuff on my own. So I've researched a ton of it. And these are the things that I found. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Okay, I'm not licensed. I'm not a licensed individual. I'm not giving you financial advice or anything of the sort. But that's how I feel about it. it. The real estate is actually very, very risky for the vast majority of people. And it's out of the reach of most people. And it's illiquid. It's not the easiest to do. So in my, I wouldn't engage in it unless I had the cash to buy the property outright. In which case, I would buy the property outright. Which means I already made a lot of money. Before I invested in real estate, I had money to do it, right? I had hundreds of thousands of dollars. I already had a lot of money to invest in real estate before I actually did it. See, I see real estate investing more as a a second stage thing that you do when you already have a lot of money, not something that you do when you want to make money or not something you do when you want to become, you know, wealthy and you want to start that process. If you want to start that process, you need a low cost relatively low risk, high return options. And in the internet age of the 21st century, that's not hard to do. Guys, you can get, you can do a podcast. There's a, there's a company out there, a podcast hosting company called Anchor. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you can, you can start a podcast for free with regards to Anchor. You don't have to pay any kind of hosting fees or anything of the sort. Now, of course you still need a mic and, and, uh, uh, some kind of audio recording software. I use Camtasia from TechSmith. They're absolutely great. I've got Camtasia 2018. It was like a one-time fee of like 200 bucks, right? Not too expensive. And, um, you know, I don't like doing monthly payments if I can help it. I've got an Audio-Technica USB mic with like this little dragon pop filter here. And, and that's my setup. I got this little, uh, you know, I do have this arm here that it's like a mic arm. It holds the mic in place and stuff, you know, on my desk, but that, that's kind of my setup. If you guys actually want to see my setup, you can see the majority of it. All you got to do is go to YouTube and check out Matthew Spaziti. That's where I do a post, a lot of my trading stuff, financial freedom videos. You know, I do a lot of videos there. Uh, I talk about personal finances, trading and investing. I mean, most of the, the content there is trading, but I talk about, I have a, a really great video about the truth about passive income, you know, spoiler alert. It doesn't exist, but if you want to go hear the video, go check it out. It's a great video. Also, I talk about treat your your finances like a business and, and stuff like that. There's there's a lot of cool stuff that I'm doing there. So if you're interested, go check it out. It's Matthew Spazzi. But that said, though, you know you could see my setup there. You don't need a lot. 
Okay, it's very low cost. And you don't have to get the Audio-Technica mic that I have. You, you can do a tiny little $60 mic that basically attaches to your phone. You can get a lapel mic. I have a, When I first started, I, have a, I had a little lapel mic that you, you just connected to your shirt. And that uses your cell phone. You download this app. It was a Rode mic. And you just downloaded the app and you recorded your audio straight from your phone. Now, it, it's not the most, the highest quality, but for 60 bucks, it wasn't bad. And I could talk and walk around as much as I wanted. And in reality, 60 bucks, come on. If you, if you can't afford that, you got other problems, right? So, I mean, you can get involved in this stuff for very low cost. And that's ultimately, if you're looking to start making money, if you're start looking to become wealthy, if you're looking to take control of the source of your income and you don't have a lot of money, you don't come from a lot of means, which I would imagine most people are in that boat. I'm in that boat then, you know, I mean, I'm good at managing my finances, mind you, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not independently wealthy. I don't come from a wealthy family. I come from a middle-class family like most people do. If you don't have a massive amount of money to go spend $10,000 on a studio, you know, before you even are making money, and I've heard people that do that, if if that's your, your, your situation, your case, then in the end, you need, in my, what I would look for at least is, again, a low-cost, relatively low-risk, high return business. And you know what that means? A lot of work and a lot and a long and a long period of time. You're going to have to put a a fair amount of work in and it's not going to more than likely it's not going to be overnight. It could take years, but that's ultimately what you do. And it doesn't sound sexy, right? Which is why a lot of people don't do that. It doesn't sound sexy, but it's not a bad thing. It's what a lot of people do. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had have have had friends come to me and be like, "Yeah, man, I I, w- I want to get involved in this gym. There's a franchise. You know, they always talk about franchises. Oh my gosh, the amount of people that ask me about franchise opportunities. I'm like, you've never even worked in a store like that. You've never worked in a restaurant. You've never, let alone, ever managed one. You've never worked in a gym or managed a gym, right? And yet they're talking about wanting to franchise a gym." Like F45 or like a McDonald's or Subway or a UPS store. It's like, you know what? They have capital requirements. They require you to have a certain amount of, of cash or assets on hand, usually liquid, easily sellable liquid, liquid, you know, assets. You know, they, they, they typically want to see that you had a lot of experience in this. They're not just going to train you, give you, you know, train you and give you the keys to your franchise. No way. What franchise would do that? You have no experience, you have no money, and they're just going to give it to you? You think it's that simple? Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's how I feel every single time someone tells me about a franchise. It's like, look, if that's what you want to do, then you know what? I would advise you go get a a job. You want to do a UPS franchise? Go work in a UPS store. Work your way up to a management level. Learn how to manage the store. Start earning money. Start accumulating that money. Find out what the capital requirements are, and then work your way into a franchise. Would, you know, it, it takes a long time, but nobody wants to do that, right? They just want a turnkey option. Look, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to me, I hope y- you are of this persuasion, but I, if you're not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop your bubble right now. Turnkey options suck when it comes to businesses. Do not do them. They have downsides. They've got risks, okay? The best thing for you is to build your own brand, all right? control the brand. You know, I mean, if you own a franchise that you don't control the brand, 
They control the brand name. They make all the decisions. You just are like, okay, yeah, sure. I would even stretch to say the franchisee owners, you're really, you're not really a business. Now, if you are a franchisee owner, you're going to be offended by that. Yeah, I'm not, I don't apologize. I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't view franchisee owners as businesses. And we're not really going to go into why and all that kind of stuff. That'll be another episode for another time, but I don't. I view them more as a, a manager, more like a, a regional manager. That's really the way I view it. They, they don't control the brand. They don't. They can control some things with regards to their properties, but not a lot. But anyways, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, look, if you're just getting started, if you don't have a ton of money, there are options, but is real estate really a good option for you to start investing and go after it? You know, eh, I, I wouldn't do it. Not going to give you the advice again. I can't, I've already said it, <laughs> said it probably too many times, but you know, I'm not giving you financial advice, but I wouldn't do it. Not unless I had the money to pay for it in cash. The risk is just too high. Now, if you are not risk averse and your risk tolerance is higher and you want to do it, hey, look, there are lots of people who, who take a massive amount of risk and it, and it ends well for them. But there's a, there's a lot more people. Those, those type of people are the exception to the rule. But the, the vast majority of people, it does not end well for. Okay? I don't, ho- I don't mean to step on anyone's dreams or anyone's hopes or anything of a sort, but you need to be aware of the risk that you're taking. And if you're willing to take those risks, and hey, more power to you, thumbs up. I hope the best for you. But just understand the risks. Understand it and plan accordingly so that it doesn't burn you, right? So, guys, that's my opinion. I do absolutely love real estate investing. My dream, ladies and gentlemen, is to own real estate properties and, you know, Airbnb them out all across the world in multiple countries, to have bank accounts in multiple countries, to have citizenship in multiple countries. Basically, I've diversified everything. I'm not a huge fan of how people view diversification today because it's really not diversification. It's not good diversification, I'll tell you that much. But when it comes to your life, when it comes to where you hold all your money, I don't think you should ever hold it in all just one country. I think you should have different bank accounts spread across lots of different countries and different currencies. I think you should have different properties, different investments in those currencies. Maybe you're invested in their stock markets, what have you, whatever. That's what I think. That's what I want to do. I want to build a global empire for my family. That's what I want. And I think it's incredible. And right now, I'm just in the early stages of that. I've got a 20-year plan, however long it freaking takes, I don't know, but I got an idea, a big idea that I'm working towards, and I'm just in the early stages. It starts with a podcast. It starts with a YouTube channel. It starts with learning how to, you know, get, you know, do affiliate marketing, learning how to trade Forex, learning how to trade options. It starts with learning how to, uh, you know, do ads and how to promote yourself and how to get traffic to your stuff. That's what it starts with. And that's what I'm doing. And guys, I would highly encourage you to to join me on my journey. Start your own journey and let's go on a journey together to become financially free. Because in the end, it's the only way you're going to achieve true freedom. You're not going to achieve it through elections. You're not going to achieve it through politics. You're just not. Talked at agnosium about it. I mean, you you guys know I'm a a fan of monarchy. I like, I'm a monarchist. I don't believe in democracy and republics. That's that's a really, really, that can be a very offensive thing. That can be a very odd thing. I know I'm an oddball by saying that. Not very many people believe that, but that's, hey, that's the way I am. You know, so sue me, right? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, you know, it, it, it's just the, it's my belief. You don't have to share it. But the fact is, is you're not going to change things. 
through that system. The system is not set up to benefit you. The system is not set up to even serve you. The system is set up to serve other people, the people at the top. That's how it always is. Human history is always that way. You're never going to get away from that, regardless of whatever system you believe in. Whether it's monarchy, democracy, republic, socialism, communism, whatever, you know, a mercantilist system, whatever it is, it's always set up to benefit the people at the top. So you know what you got to do? You got to find your way to the top. And that starts with low cost, low risk, high return stuff. In the 21st century, in the age of the internet, in the digital age, that's never been easier to do. So ladies and gentlemen, you know, I think it's incredibly powerful. Your fate is in your hands. You control your future. All you got to do is make a choice. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do with your time? Time is the most valuable resource we have, and it's a non-renewable one. We don't get it back. The vast majority of people do not respect their time. They abuse it. They treat it like a playground and they trash it. Don't be that person. We all struggle with it. I'm not trying to say I manage my time perfectly. And even if I said it would, I managed it perfectly, that would be subjective, right? We all struggle. But try to work on things that are productive, that are actually going to benefit you and your family and protect you and your family in the long run. And even if nothing bad happens, hey, you set yourself up to live a life that others envy, right? So guys, you can make that choice today. You can choose to live that life now, to get started. And if you haven't, I highly encourage you, you need to get started, ladies and gentlemen. Time is of the essence. We only get one shot at this life. Don't waste it. Spend your time to, I mean, I, I know I used to be a huge video gamer. I used to wallow in, and, and, you know, engage in video games, which gave me a false sense of, of success, a false sense of achievement, but it was never real. Made me feel good. It was a lot of fun, but it was abusing of my time. Now I still play video games today. I just don't play anywhere near to the extent that I used to. Okay. And I'm not trying to say video gaming is bad. I'm just trying to say I used to be obsessive about it. It's what I did the vast with the vast majority of my time. All right? Value your time. Make the choice to become financially free and to take control over the source of your income. And I can promise you this. I'm not making income claims, but I can promise you this. I, You're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret it. I, 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 I think you'd be very hard. I can promise you, you'll be very hard pressed to regret it. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there are some people who would do this and then maybe they would regret it. I, I don't know. I, I know that I'm not regretting it and I hope you wouldn't too. So guys, that's going to be it for the show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys did, again, uh, make sure to uh, hit that share button. If you like what I'm doing here, then consider sharing it with with anyone that's out there. Just hit that share button, you know, share it on Twitter, Facebook, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, wherever you are at, consider sharing it. If you're on Reddit, share it there too. Just wherever. Hit that share button and share it with as many people as you can. Help me get this message of financial freedom out there, guys. This message is very powerful because it puts the 
control in our hands. It puts the power in our hands, and I love that. I absolutely love it. It pumps me up. It makes me feel like I have control over my life, and I don't know about you, but that makes me feel great and absolutely amazing, and it gives me hope. And guys, I would like to extend that hope and that feeling to as anyone that we can get to listen. If, if it's only a few hundred people, it's only a few hundred people. But hopefully it would be tons of people, thousands of people, hundreds of thousands. I want to help change people's life because it changed my life. It really did. For a long time, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. I was going through college, changing my degree seven times. I was aimless. I was directionless, and it was depressing. That was during my video gaming years. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea. But you know what? I have direction now, and I have purpose. And that purpose, you know, it really changed my life purpose of what knowing what I wanted to do with my life. I had purpose in other ways, but I never had purpose of knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And now I do. And if I can, I would help other people figure that out too. So if you guys like what I'm doing, please consider sharing the show and, uh, you know, hit that share button. If you, if you know of three people, you know, um, here's something I always ask people to do, you know, share with three people, someone you think is going to love it. Someone you think is going to hate it. And someone you're really not sure about. Uh, you know, I think that's a great, a great place to start, but Hey, if you're just on social media and you love this message of financial freedom and personal and financial empowerment, then just hit the share button, share it with whoever's following you. It'll help me spread it to as many people as we can get to listen. And guys, you know, I mean that, that it would mean a lot to me, but Hey, let's go ahead and get into the affiliates real quick. And then we'll go ahead and close out for the show. Guys, if you want to learn how to become a Forex trader, then go check out Tier 1 Trading. Guys, in my opinion, Tier 1 Trading is the number one trading coach platform. They're absolutely great. They're completely transparent. They're going to teach you so many cool things. They're going to teach you how to do technical analysis. They're going to teach you how to read price charts. They're going to teach you money management, which really is the bread and butter of trading, to be honest, because money management allows you to grow your account quickly, or at least it can if you're doing it right. You know, it's going to, they're going to teach you how to create a trading strategy, how to backtest it. They're going to teach you pattern recognition. They're going to teach you a ton, a ton of stuff. I mean, seriously, the amount of knowledge at Tier 1 Trading teaches you is amazing. Guys, you've got coaches like Akil Stokes, Jason Greystone, Charles Miles. These guys are absolutely amazing, okay? They really are great. Me and Charles, we talk literally to this day. They're they're amazing, great guys, and they will not turn you down the wrong path. They will tell you the truth. It's not a matter of if you're going to lose money, it's a matter of when. So how do you plan your risk? How do you basically hedge your risks? How do you manage that risk? They're going to teach you about all that kind of stuff, right? They're going to teach you the truth about trading. Okay. They're absolutely amazing. If you're interested in any of that, then consider checking them out, consider getting involved with them and uh, supporting the show in the process. Also, if you guys want to learn a new skill. Look, we talk about, you know, becoming financially free and controlling the source of your income, but sometimes that's very difficult if you don't have a, a skill that lends to that, right? So one of the best things you guys need to do, and you should be doing this, whether you have a highly valuable skill or not, is invest in your own human capital, learn a new skill. And the best place for you to go, in my humble opinion, is Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is an absolutely amazing education platform that got thousands upon thousands of courses. They're all very high quality, in my opinion, and that co- got courses on all 
kinds of categories ranging from, you know, Forex, options, trading, stock trading to and investing. They also got courses on YouTube advertisements, website design, email marketing, photography. I mean, come on, they even have a course on there on how to fly drones and stuff. That's really cool. I mean, I'm a huge tech nerd, so I, I think that's cool. But guys, they got tons of stuff out there. Okay, tons of stuff. I've personally just recently used them to do YouTube ads. And it was great. It was a great course. It was really good. And it helped me learn what I needed to do. So guys, if you're interested in learning a new skill, keeping your skills relevant, then go check them out. They're absolutely amazing. You're not going to be disappointed with them. And in most cases, they'll even give you a month to two months off for free. I don't really know which deal they're running. If you click on the link in the description below, I think they might be running a one month deal, at least for the link that I have. I don't know if they're running more any more than that. But, you know, it kind of fluctuates from time to time, but still, a month free. And I'll be honest with you guys, it's dirt cheap. I think it's only like, I mean, I have a subscription to them. I absolutely love them. I use them all the time. And it's like, I think only like $100 for an entire year, $99 for the whole year. I mean, seriously, that's dirt cheap. That's not that expensive. If you want to learn a new skill and you don't have a lot of money, guys, this is the way to do it. All right, seriously, this is the way to do it. So guys, Go check them out if you're interested in that stuff at all. Go check them out and you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And last but not least, if you want to hedge against inflation, right? You know, we talk about inflation, you know, the Federal Reserve's printing a massive amount of money. You know, they're always doing all kinds of stuff. You know, they're talking about doing an app and basically, direct, you know, giving money directly to people who are going to spend it and, and circulating that money in the economy. Guys, they just start doing that. I mean, who knows what the outcome is, but it, it, it's kind of looking like that would cause a lot of a monetary devaluation, if you will. So, you know, I don't know for sure, but it's never you know, a bad idea to, to hedge your risks against, you know, monetary devaluation, inflation. It's never a bad idea to, to, to just have that insurance policy, right? I don't know about you. And again, this isn't financial advice, but it, 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 helps me to have a little bit of peace of mind, knowing that in the event that that prices start to rise all around me, I got something that that's going to be growing in value with it. It's not a perfect hedge against it, but it does track with it to some extent. You know, owning silver and whatnot is what I'm talking about, precious metals. So, you know, it's it's a great way to do it. It's one of the, the many methods of doing it, and you don't have to have a lot of money to do it. So if you guys are interested in that, if, if you think that that's good for you, if you, if you think that that's a right choice for you and you want to get your, your hands on some silver and gold and you've never purchased from Money Metals Exchange before, then go consider checking them out and consider making a purchase with them if you think it's right for you. Guys, Money Metals Exchange is a great company. I've bought silver from there. I still buy silver from there. They're absolutely amazing and they're really great. They have a decent amount of variety. They've got some pretty cool stuff there. So if you guys are interested in that at all, and again, I'm not making any kind of income claims, not making any claims with regards to investments and what you can expect, okay? You know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. But I, I know that this is something that I like to do and it's a company that I like. And if you guys are interested in that, you've never bought from them before, if you're a new customer and you go buy from them, you can get a free silver coin as well as me. So not only will you get whatever you purchase, but you'll also get a free silver coin as well. And so will I. So it's a really great thing. I, I think it's a cool program. Uh, here's the thing though. If you decide to do this when you're about to make your purchase, there will be a place for you to mention who referred you to them. Make sure you tell them that it was Matthew Spaziti. If you don't tell them that, we won't get the free silver coins, okay? So you have to be a new customer and you have to, you know, 
let them know that I sent you their way. You got to let them know. I don't have a custom link. The link that's below it, it's just, it's a normal link that just takes you straight to their, their website. It's a referral program, not an affiliate program with affiliate programs. You, they give you a special link and then you got like 30 days to make a purchase and then you make money off that link, right? That's usually how it works. Well, this is a referral program. Okay, it's not an affiliate. If you want the free silver coin, you got to go to them. You, you have to basically be a brand new customer. You got to go to them and you got to buy something from them. And then you got to tell them that it was me and that sent you. And, you know, my name, Matthew Spazzitti, is in the podcast. So just copy and paste that name and uh, we'll both get free coins. So guys, if you're interested in doing it, consider that and uh, we'll both benefit. I love those kind of deals. I personally do. Those deals are great where we both get free stuff. I think it's awesome. You know, it benefits you, it benefits me and it's uh, it's really cool. It's really cool stuff. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, if you want to follow me, check me out on locals.com, check me out on Twitter. And I just started a new account on parlor.com, guys. Parlor is a really a really cool platform. It is really pretty much dominated by conservatives, Trump supporters, stuff of that nature. Look, I'm not a huge fan of Trump personally, and I'm not a conservative either. You know, I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm a, an objectivist, right? If you're familiar, familiar with Ayn Rand, I'm an objectivist. I'm conservative about some things. I'm liberal about others, I guess, you know? I mean, that's kind of my positioning on some of that stuff. But look, I mean, hey, it's, it's still a great social media platform, and in the end, they are set up to be a competitor to Twitter, and I don't have to have, you know, the fear of getting kicked off of the, pro, of the platform and basically losing an audience. So guys, I mean, it's a really cool platform that I decided to join, and that's why I did it. And also, the only way to kind of, you know, add to the variety of content is, to, is for everyday people like us who, who, you know, to make content on there. If you don't, then yeah, it's just going to be a bunch of Trump support supporters. And I don't have anything against those type of people, right? I mean, I live in Texas, for crying out loud. I used to be one of them. I used to be a, a conservative Republican, but then my eyes were opened. And, uh, and anyways, that being said, guys, if you want to follow me, you know, go check me out on Twitter. Go follow me on Twitter. Go follow me on, you know, locals.com. And parlor.com as well, guys. These are the places that where I'm at. These are the places where you guys can connect with me and you guys can engage with me. You can message, direct message me there. You can ask me questions. You know, I'm really trying to grow my following on all of these platforms. So, I mean, man, I got a lot of, I got a lot of places for you guys to go if you want to get in touch with me. What I really should do is I should create a, a website, get a domain name called followmatthew.com where basically you guys can go and see everywhere I am and you can just pick and choose what you want. And that's really what I should do. Uh, but you know, I, I just haven't gotten around to that. But anyways, guys, you know, consider going and following me on locals, consider going and following me on, on Twitter and on parlor and all that kind of stuff. And Hey, again, last but not least guys, you know, if you're interested, if you like what I'm doing here, consider giving me a rating review and, uh, consider supporting the show and, uh, helping me spread this message of financial freedom to as many people as we can get to listen. Eventually I'm going to add a reward for that. If you become a, a patron and you and you do a monthly subscription, I'm going to be eventually doing a private group where only the, 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 the elites of the Matthew Spazzini program are basically going to, uh, going to 
should be. And the, the, these intellectual elites, and, and, and not just intellectual elites, but just, you know, I want to grow a community of people who ultimately just want to become financially free. And they want to help each other out with, with, with that process and who will want to help each other out with maybe trading, investing, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I want to do. And eventually I'm going to be creating a private group where you guys can go. It would be a monthly subscription, but I'm going to eventually create that. But hey, all of those platforms right now are for free. So if you want to follow me, go check me out. And yeah, that's it, guys. Hey, if you would do all that for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.